The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Join the hottest club for Friday Night Fun Chat. Blind LGBT Pride hosts a clubhouse room every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Grab a drink, grab a snack, and settle in for a fabulous night of good company and great conversation. Just log on to Clubhouse and search for House Blind LGBT Pride. Not a member? No worries. Just come with a loving heart and an open mind, and our bouncers will lift the velvet rope for you. Blind LGBT Pride Clubhouse Friday Night Fun Chat. It's the only place to be for VIPs like you. This is Pride Connection, sponsored by BlindLGBTPride.org, otherwise known as BPI, every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One, and shortly after on all your major podcast catchers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> uh, this is a Pride Connection, and uh, we are celebrating a very, very special day of the year. I'm coming out. I'm coming. Thank you. <laughs> of course, you had to sing. Uh, yes. Thank you, Anthony. National Coming Out Day, October 11th. In the mainstream community, uh, probably is not so well known. And uh, that is what we want to talk about today. We have an excellent uh, panel of very, very awesome individuals, all BPI members. And um, we're going to talk about the importance of National Coming Out Day. Why is National Coming Out Day important? Why is actually coming out important? And from there, we have uh, several other uh, topics that we will be covering. But without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to our president, Leah Gardner, for some opening remarks. Thank you, Gabe. I don't really have a great deal to say, except to say that um, I'm glad that this year we are discussing coming out day. I uh, remember when I was in college in the mid-90s, coming out day was was just becoming, I don't know if trend is the right word, notice of coming out day was beginning to, to take shape. And it was really neat. It was really cool to hear about campuses across the country on the news uh, celebrating coming out day. And, and and certainly it helped with that sense of isolation. So mind you, the first coming out day I remember was before Ellen DeGeneres came out on her sitcom. Mm. Uh, it was it was right after Melissa Etheridge came out on stage and uh, said, "Yes, I am uh, a lesbian." This was a really, um, uh, I mean, this this was such a an eventful dramatic time for the GLBTQ plus community in the mid 90s. Like there was so much forward 
momentum. So now in a time that is really so precarious, I think it's more important than ever to be loud and proud about who we are. And uh, don't don't be afraid of the woke. Wear it proudly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is really all I have to say. Everybody keep keep checking your email. Uh, we will be having our annual BPI business meeting on November 12th of this year to elect new directors uh, for the board. And uh, it would really be great if uh, as many of you were on that call as possible. We we appreciate your participation as members and we obviously can't make decisions in this organization without your input. So thank you. I'm going to give it back to you, Gabe. So I think the perfect way to start our uh, conversation on coming out and coming out day is by introducing everyone who's here. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to uh, leave the floor for everyone to step up and um, introduce yourselves. And if you care to share your coming out story, please do so. Um, and we are going to start with our uh, very talented executive director of Pride Connection, Bryn Lee. Hey, hey everybody. Bryn. Well, my coming out story is uh, trifold because you never really stop coming out. The first time I came out, I think was at the beginning of the pandemic, I had just been through a bad breakup. And that breakup made me realize how much time I had spent pretending to be someone that I wasn't. And I was reminiscing about someone who I had dated in the past and how I kind of wish I could try that again and see what would happen. And also, like, I wanted to like start living authentically and stop hiding who I was and be all the way out. And so I started exploring that and thinking about it. And I joined BPI as one of the very first things that I did in, you know, exploring that. So the first group of people that I actually came out to were the members of BPI that were in our WhatsApp group, which is a perk of Blind Pride International. And I I told them kind of, you know, where I was with my sexuality, which is that I am pansexual. And you know, BPI helped me with figuring stuff out. You all let me talk about gender exploration and gender expansiveness. And I I was trying to figure out, am I I non-binary? Am I genderqueer? Am I trans? I don't know, but it's somewhere in the trans umbrella, but I hadn't figured it out at that point. So then I came out to my dad. At once, BPI had given me sufficient pep talks, right? You're like, you could do this. You girl, we got your back. You know, you can figure it out. So I came out to my dad as a pansexual person. You know, I didn't think he would understand what pansexual was. And so I simplified it by by telling him that I'm bisexual, but really pansexual is so much more complex of a descriptor, I think. And um, it, it's a different thing, even though it's adjacent to bisexual. I, I do think that it can be a bit different. But I told my dad that I was bi. And He was relatively supportive with a few caveats. He was like, well, you know, just don't run a bunch of rainbow stuff on your Facebook and don't be too gay because, you know, if you want to date a girl, you know, you don't want to put yourself out there as super gay and then they might not want to date you. And 
you know, things like that. He was trying to be supportive, but he was also being his own special brand of <laughs> special. <laughs> so, so that there is that second time that I came out. Uh, and then the third time that I came out was when I realized that I was trans and I talked to my therapist about it and I had my friends and I had BPI and I, and I came out to all of those people, but then I had to come out to my dad again and tell him like a year later, well, you remember I told you that I'm, I'm pansexual, you know, I'm not just pan. I'm also trans. I'm, I, I feel like, and he's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, you know, it means that I, I'm a girl inside and I always have been, and I've always struggled with this. And I had to come out three times. And really, I came out a whole bunch of little times. I came out to this friend, came out to that friend, came out to work. But the three pinnacle ones, I think, were coming out to BPI and then coming out to my dad twice. Yeah, I did that January 4th of 2023, the last time I came out. And um, when they say new year, new me, I took that quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Powerful, powerful story, Bryn. Thank, thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> it would behoove me to ask you, but there was a certain time uh, when uh, you did a massive coming out, which is one of my favorite Bryn coming out stories. Would you care to share that one? You know, I had been hanging out with BPI for a while and I had gotten pretty loosey-goosey about my... Uh, a lot of friends knew and a lot of you know, like significant others of the past knew and you know but it was still i was still not really out to the public really i was not out like on facebook i was not facebook out yet okay and i was doing the co-host thing with anthony on sunday edition and i forgot exactly what i said but i think i said something like i've been dealing with my sexuality or whatever exploring that figuring it out or like somehow lgbt things came up and i somehow had outed myself on sunday edition but i didn't realize it and it took me like 10 minutes to realize what i had done and then me. messaging me and anthony <laughs> is messaging me and gabe is met and people on whatsapp are messaging me And they're like, do you realize you just came out on Sunday edition? And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. I did. <laughs> I loved it. I was dumb. As the words were coming out of her mouth, my brain is going, oh, my God, is she coming out on Sunday edition? Do you know what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't. I, I, you know, I had gotten so used to the do idea. Do you remember what I said to you the moment we got off air? I can't remember. No. What did you say to me? I was like, girl, do you realize what you just did? <laughs> yeah you know the fear had kind of ebbed away and and yes. i just it kind of slipped out you know it was such an awesome <laughs> moment such an awesome yeah. moment to be part of well happy uh national coming out day to everyone and uh i'm really excited to hear everyone else's stories thanks Bryn. so just to let our listeners know we are very very happy to have such a diverse group not only within bpi But in this conversation today, uh, we have a little bit of everything and a little bit of everyone. So age, gender identity, sexual orientation, you name it. Who would like to share next? Well, Three, I'll, I'll pick two, up the banner. Okay. Um, There we go. Okay, <laughs> this is Scott. And as Bryn so aptly put it, Coming out is a process and not an event. We come out to different people at different times. 
in different ways with different reactions. And it's a, a complex process. At least, at least it was for me. I was deep in the closet for many years. And which means, essentially, that you're living a lie. Uh, mm-hmm. You're not living fully. You're not doing, and forgive me for, for uh, um, you know, hijacking this phrase, living the life you want. And actually, that's one of the first questions you really need to ask yourself when you're thinking about all this, is what do you want? And yes, you deserve love. And yes, you deserve companionship. And you deserve to have fun and all the rest that goes with a healthy life that includes a healthy sexual life as well. That took me a long time to do. I was busy worrying about career. Uh, I had lots of other things on my mind. You know, I was a lawyer on the make, and uh, that came first, and I thought all the rest of this would either go away or I'd deal with it later. You, you always can deal with things later better than you can deal with them now, or at least you think you can. So I think it's important that we realize all that and that we don't be too hard on ourselves about when we do it, you know, why we haven't done it, all the rest, because it is a, a complex process and we have to be pretty good to ourselves and figure out what we want to do first and then very carefully decide how we want to handle that coming out process in terms of timing, environment, uh, who you plan to come out to, all those things. And then in the process to take care of yourself, reward yourself, if you will, for this journey. And be aware that although you may have had lots of time to think about it, which I certainly did, the people around you may not have had that much time to think about it. And that may, in fact, affect their reactions to uh, your message. And you really need to be prepared for that because I had friends who responded to me in a positive way. I had other folks that were less so. And it took them quite a while to come around. And yes, you may, in fact, lose some friends uh, in the process. Hopefully not, you know, a support system that you can't live without. And that's another question of timing, too, to make sure that when you do do this, you can do it on your terms and that you're not, for example, financially dependent on a person that is essential in your life right now. And you need to be able to think about this when you're an independent person and can live without that financial support, for example, if it it were to come to that. Thank you, Scott. Who wants to introduce themselves next and a bit of their coming out story. I guess I'll go. I'm Anthony, and I guess it's a recurring theme because I I, I feel like I had two coming outs too. In listening to Scott's story, I thought to myself, there is this percentage of us that really don't know. It's not something that's in the forefront of the thoughts and the feelings. All through high school, I had a girlfriend. I ended up getting engaged. I played baseball and had a great friend set and and actually had a bisexual friend who had come out in our junior year looking back i definitely see things that that could have and should have triggered me into the feeling process and understanding but it just didn't happen so when i 
had an experience that, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. And it was really eye-opening because everything worked well, so to speak, with girls before. And so this was like, oh, wow, there's this other layer thing happening, which then made me start to think about my feelings and made me start to, you know, wonder and examine what my life was, you know, in both directions. And so I think, you know, you first have to come out to yourself, you know, and, and my first thought was, I don't want to do this. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. You've got this, you've got this life already planned. You know, all of these things are in place. And then it was like, okay, but how does this really make a difference? And, and a whole, whole list of, of, you know, thoughts and feelings and things that I went through. And I think we all have to kind of go through those things until we're strong enough and, and confident within our emotions to say, yeah, this is who I am. And now I want to live who I am. I, I don't want to live in a lie or in a shadow or in a half truth. Um, and so that took a short amount of time for me based upon other stories that I've heard in life. And, and I'm thankful for that. I took the approach that I was just going to live and whoever figured it out, figured it out. I never really had any I'm coming out conversations. What I did have was a lot of conversations where other people wanted to tell me how other people were feeling, etc. And those are some interesting conversations. I lost a, a significant portion of my family. I chose to lose a significant portion of my friendship base at the time because I, I wasn't going to try to please people and convince people it was, I'm the same person I was a month ago and a year ago. So, well, not the same person. We grow every day, but you know what I mean? So, you know, you're either with me or you're not. I, I'm not going to convince you that there's value in you being part of my life. And later on dealt with some of that in therapy, but it, it really didn't. I, I always say I am a very, very lucky person. I had a very easy coming out experience. I figured it out. I, I debated about it for a little while. I started living it and whoever stayed on for the ride, great. And whoever didn't, good luck to you. But for me, I, I, I don't think there was any other way to do it. I wouldn't change it. And I respect everything that Scott said. And I echo all of that. You have to do it your way. You have to, you have to listen to your, your, your heart, your mind, and, and that other piece, that soul component, the universe, whatever you want to call it. You have to listen to those three forces that help guide you and, and make this your, your way. Thanks, Anthony. All right, this is Jessica. I think I'll go next. Growing up, I was not interested in dating at all. I thought that my only option were big, tall, six foot two, smelly sixth grade boys who beat boxed and beat drum patterns on the lunch tables at school. I was dealing with a lot in my family growing up as an adolescent, and I didn't have the bandwidth to even process who I might be attracted to. So I have had limited relationship experience. And believe it or not, it took until my 30s to start 
dating a man that I knew and to start finding out what is all this relationship business all about anyway. And long story short, we were greatest friends, but when it came to dating and quote unquote being in love, I somewhat felt like it didn't fit. Quite honestly, I felt like a deer in the headlights. Like, oh my God, what do I do now? I got engaged. I almost married him so as not to hurt his feelings. And at the time, I had somewhat resigned myself to, okay, this is the baggage that's coming down life's conveyor belt. I guess I just got to pick it up and go on my way. And then... I got a thing called Netflix. I'm being facetious here. I know you all know what Netflix is. And I started watching shows like Orange is the New Black, like The Fosters, like One Day at a Time, and Grace and Frankie, and of course the Fab Five from Queer Eye. The common denominator in all of these is they all had queer representation somewhere on the spectrum. I wish that they would have been more main characters. Oh, yeah. And I watched the L word, too. And that was like doing my homework to make sure I'm really, really sure. Um, from all this, quote unquote, research and homework, I felt something stir inside of me that I had never felt before. It resonated like playing a major chord on a piano. It was, this might be something that could work out for me. So then came the task of eventually telling this fiance I had, I came up with a word for it. I had to rehearse it and I had to plan it and I had to give him his engagement ring back. I called it needing to unproposed so after that once I had told him and we had talked it out and we were no longer dating per se I felt free to get on Bumble go look on Facebook find out where the local LGBT events were happening start going to some of them and honestly before that I hate to say it, but my world was very small. And during and after that, my world has gotten bigger and bigger. This was the year 2018. So summer of 2018, all this started happening. So then the year 2019 was like a big roller coaster of making several changes in my life that allowed my world to continue to get bigger. Thank you. We love that your big world found us. Yes. So who's up next? All right, I guess I'll go. This is John. Hey, John. My coming out happened in the olden days, way back in 1985. I was 18. It kind of started the year before that with my best friend. She had tried to come out to me, but I was not ready. I was not ready for me to come out. 
and I was not ready for her to come out. So <laughs> I told her it's probably just a phase. I didn't mean it to, but it, it did shut her down. And we, for the next year, we continued to both act like we were interested in the opposite sex. And so about a year later, we were, we were out at a, at a nightclub. There was a gym during the day at a nightclub in the evenings. And they never carded us because neither of us were 21. They never carded us. So we would be able to go in there and dance and drink. And then this particular night in between dancing, we were at the table and the conversation came back around to that three-letter word. And it took us about 15 minutes for each of us to say the word gay. But when we did, there was so much weight lifted off my shoulders. I think I could even feel the weight lift off of her shoulders. Well, we sat there in the club for about another 15 minutes just talking nonstop about all the things that for the last several years that we had been friends for a long time, we, we had never said to one another. We left the nightclub, we went back to our neighborhood, and a few years prior to that, we had built a tree fort in the woods behind my house. And we went back to our tree fort, and we were there until about three in the morning talking about all of the things that we had held in for years. And then that continued for about the next week or 10 days. We saw each other every day and just talked nonstop about being gay. Everything that we could never say out loud, we were saying. And it was wonderful. After that, I decided this feels so good, this, this freedom that I was feeling. I just started telling everybody. I, I told my mother first, and then I told my younger sister or my youngest sister, and I told both of them they could tell anybody they wanted. Then I told the people that I work with, and I told other friends that I had. And for the most part, I had no issues. Nobody really disowned me or treated me badly. There was a few people here and there that if for some reason I would have an argument with them about something, that would be their go-to way of, mm. of putting me in my place was to call me a name. But for the most yeah. part, they, they all got over that pretty quickly. And I had a boyfriend very shortly after that, after coming out. And my family and friends all accepted it. It was very normal. There was nothing hard about it. You know, my father would, to my boyfriends, and offer them a beer and that sort of stuff. And my sisters loved all my boyfriends. I was lucky, I guess. It was easy for me. That's, that's about it, I think. Thanks, John. Um, you know what? I don't think that's about it because <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and I'm, 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 I'm trying to, um, you know, this is, this is one of the biggest impacts, uh, that, uh, our community faces and continues to face and people do not realize, um, how, how many, many events or many stages not only in our personal histories, but in the history of our country and the history of the world, impact our community, our micro-community, our, uh, like Jessica said, our world. Um, John, you came out during, uh, I would say, one of the most difficult decades for the LGBTQ plus community, especially for gay men. Um, the 80s was the big AIDS explosion. People called it the gay cancer uh, mm -hmm. because no one knew what it was. No one knew how you got it. No one knew what 
would cure it, but everyone knew that it was the, the gays had it. And they associated uh, AIDS with the gay community. Fast forward research and science, uh, as always, uh, brings light and uh, understood that it's a virus. And uh, why is it that it was so prevalent among gay men? Not necessarily because uh, we are gay, but in general because uh, of many other aspects um, which do not have anything to do with the LGBTQ plus culture. Like I tell people, you know, it's what you do in your bedroom or it, in your intimacy does not define your sexual orientation. Who you are attracted to is what defines your sexual orientation. Having said that, I want to quickly share, and I say quickly because those of you who know me probably know that I would have to be cut off telling me that we're ready for our outro by the time I'm still probably halfway through my story. One of the things that I loved about everyone's intro and everyone's coming out story is that uh, you have all touched on some of the questions that come back to coming out day. One of the things is how do we progress? The three stages that at least I have identified from my personal coming out story, which uh, I have identified uh, stages of shame, uh, which is in the closet, then uh, acceptance, which is just, uh, okay, I, that's what I am, but you know, I, I'm still fearful and I still want it to be different, to pride. I love who I am, what I am, and how I am, every single part and molecule of my being and my soul. How do you go from those three stages, along those three stages? And each one of you has covered it without knowing it or without practicing it, without rehearsing it. And it's very interesting to see the diversity of how each environment, um, Anthony in New York, Jessica in Florida, a little bit younger, um, Leah in her college uh, time, you know, John and Scott in uh, different decades, and uh, Bryn during pandemic. So we have a little bit of everything. And I, I want to share probably not my entire coming out story, because like you all have said, uh, it, it's a process. It's not a day. But in my personal story, um, I went from shame because I grew up in Latin America. I was born and raised in Honduras, um, obviously back then and mixed, uh, you know, mixed racial family, uh, half Hispanic, half Arabic, both, both very conservative. Catholic upbringing, you name it. All the odds were against me coming out. And uh, what I tell people, and one of the things that I've explained to people is that it, it's not something that you acquire. It's not a lifestyle. It's not a taste. It's not uh, a choice. It is being what you all have said true to yourself. Um, some people, it, it, you know, don't understand that. And here is where I find the pivotal importance of coming out and national coming out day is because when you come out is when you realize that you have been living according to the teachings or the instructions of someone else, be it your parents, your family, your society, your church, all of them, some of them. So when you live all those realities, you stop living your own reality because you're afraid, because you're different, because you're out of the norm and you're afraid to come out because you're afraid 
that you're going to be disowned or judged or because we have learned that being attracted to the same sex or being anything different than cis uh, heterosexual is a sin, is bad, is deviant, is abnormal, etc. To me, the importance of coming out is because we learn through coming out that we are entitled to being ourselves without judgment. And no one can tell me what I feel. No one can tell me how I feel. And no one can tell me who I'm attracted to. Um, obviously, people are confused because we don't experience uh, actual attraction until we develop, you know, with hormones and adolescence and all that. So that's why many people start coming out nowadays during the adolescent age, even though I don't understand how people in my family did not know or pretended to not know that I was gay because it's not just, yes, who you're attracted to defines your sexual orientation, but being gay as a person, as a, you know, my persona, I'm a kid who was always very geeky, very smart, uh, bookworm, loved opera and classical music, just naturally. No one, no one forced me to. I just heard it and, and started being uh, just fascinated. Uh, loved to decorate, uh, loved putting together events and menus for weddings and etc. Going back to national coming out, uh, that is the importance because it is recognizing who we are as a whole. I want to open it back up to our wonderful panel here to talk about pride. Uh, how do you feel the difference between those three aspects of life? If you have experienced it, if you went from shame to pride, great. If you never experienced shame, that's also great. But how do you go uh, from one to the other? Or, or how was your process going from one to the other? Mrs. Anthony, I didn't have shame to, to pride. I had fear and baffleness to pride. Honestly, when it, you know, happened and, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I, I thought, okay, let me find a book. Um, you know, we had just, America Online was was sort of, you know, you had to wait for all the dots and whistles and all that to get it, you know. So it was like, you know, where do I go? How, how do I find out what to do with all this? So it was more fear and baffle for me. And, and again, I, I like John, I, I admit very much how lucky I was. I, I had people that turned away from me um, or, or that slowly backed themselves away, whatever. No direct confrontations, no, no violence or anything like that. I came to pride. And, and, and I remember very, very, very viscerally as I'm saying this. I, I came to my full pride, my first pride. I was a lucky enough to be living, you know, I grew up in New York City. And I got off the one train at Christopher Street at 1.30 in the afternoon on a hot June Saturday. I mean, hot. And I walked up those steps and there were hundreds of thousands of us all crammed into, you know, a, a 10 block radius. There was every kind of person you can imagine. And everybody that I encountered, yes, I was young, I was pretty. Everybody wanted to talk to me or, or tell me history, tell me. And it was just like, this is where I belong. This is who I am. And that was the first moment I really understood I could be proud about this part of myself. 
Thank you. Absolutely, Anthony. And that 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 is actually a perfect segue because that is what BPI is. BPI is community. One of the many values of coming out is precisely that connection, community. You find your tribe, you find your people, um, you find those who have shared so many commonalities. Hence, again, <laughs> BPI. Imagine if it is one thing to come out as LGBTQ+, imagine double whammy. I'm not only uh, gay, but I'm also blind. Uh, I'm not going to repeat my story. Probably John is the only one who hasn't heard my many, 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 many times repeated story uh, about the uh, Google search that changed my life uh, because I was completely convinced that I had to be what were the odds. I had to be the only person in the world who had to be, who was gay and blind at the same time. Our so listeners I, can go to our Pride Connection vault and go to episode three <laughs> to hear that story in its entirety. And it's worth clicking and clicking. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. But yes, I did go. I did type in on my Google search bar, gay, blind, and boom, there it was, BPI. When you come out, you uh, give yourself the opportunity to connect with that community of people with whom you share values and you share life stories and you share experiences and you start talking and you're like, oh my God, yes, I did that. Oh yes, I was that. Oh yes, I was there. And uh, all these beautiful commonalities, that's something that uh, coming out gives us the ability to come out. Now, be careful because I love one of the things that Bryn said about her own coming out story or multiple coming out stories, uh, that BPI was a common denominator and how she felt that this was a safe environment, emphasis on the word safe. So once you have a safe space to come out, uh, that's a good way to start coming out in your safe space, getting that encouragement, getting that love, getting that support, getting that, you know, building up yourself uh, by surrounding yourself with others who love and I won't, I don't like the word accept, but embrace you for who you are. So then you get that synergy and that builds on your next level. You come out to your next circle and you start just making that circle wider and wider and wider until you get to the point where you just explode. And that's what I call pride. When you can't hold it anymore and when you are actually not ashamed, not okay with who you are, but you are super proud and you want to yell it out. You want to tattoo rainbows on your body. And you... Yes, but it's <laughs> also okay to be prideful on the other end of the spectrum. It is okay to say, I don't need a large tribe. I just want to find one or two good people to be prideful with. It's okay to also say, I don't need the entire world to know as long as I'm okay with myself and I live my truth. It's also okay to be proud to live that way as well. It's Absolutely. great to want a rainbow tattoo yourself up and down and to, you know, put on the leather chaps and walk down Christopher Street. But it's also okay to build a different life for yourself than what the society around you expects your life to be. As long as you're okay and proud within yourself, that is the purest expression of pride. 
thank you, Gabe, for for shouting out the celebration. But we also have to recognize those that love to live the small and quiet life. The I have a few great people and that's my tribe life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as long as it comes from within, that's what matters. You do whatever uh, pride is for you. You do, uh, like Anthony said, it's pride. If pride is, you know, just being proud of yourself without sharing it, that's that's still pride. Uh, if it's two peoples, five, ten, a million, the entire world, it's it's all good, as long as it comes from within, and you follow the the instinct that you have on how to express your pride and how to express because at the end of the day pride is and and that's how i want to pass it along to others for comments at the end of the day pride is is not identical to everyone pride is mainly the capsule of being happy with who we are and being happy that we are comfortable being who we are and, and where we are in our lives. All right, this is John again. I think uh, for me, I express my pride by being open every day. Anytime there's an opportunity for me to acknowledge to people that I'm gay, to make a reference to my partner, my boyfriend, I do. When I hear heterosexual people referring to their husbands or wives, in the past, there was a period of time where I had that sense of shame or fear where I couldn't necessarily talk about my relationship or what my sexuality. But at some point, there was like a switch that flipped, and I thought, I'm not going to feel this way anymore. I like who I am. I'm proud of who I am, and I'm always going to be who I am. So every day, whenever there's an opportunity for me to acknowledge something about my being gay, no matter how small it is, I do. And not in your face sort of way, but just in a, in a everyday sort of thing, the way the heterosexual people do. I just live my mm -hmm. life that same way. And um, I think it serves me well. I am proud of being gay. It, it seems like a strange thing to say in some way. It's like we shouldn't have to say it like that. But the reality is we do kind of have to say it that way because most of us have been brought up in a way where we were taught to feel shame or fear about it. So yes, I think that when you do feel pride, you should express it as much as you can. Now, I don't walk around with rainbows tattooed on my body. Sorry, Gabriel. Or I'm not sprinkling glitter everywhere, although I do think about that every now and then. But uh, I take any opportunity I can to acknowledge to someone that I'm gay. Yep, the, and I encourage I like others to do the same. How about Scott? I came out sort of in that same period as John did, and uh, which was a pretty scary time. There was no effective treatment for AIDS until uh, 1996. And a lot of people were dying. Friends were dying rapidly. And uh, my pride moment was... When in 1993, when there was a march on Washington to bring attention to the crisis, which, of course, Ronald Reagan had ignored for years and caused many deaths as a result, a national quilt was created, which involved panels that friends and relatives could 
put together commemorating their their lost loved ones or friends. And I remember in 1993, I was uh, and my partner at the time uh, went to the march here in Washington, and I got permission to actually take my shoes off and crawl out on that quilt so I could touch the panel of a very good friend of mine who I had met through CompuServe, oddly enough. And we had become really, really good friends over the years by a long distance, actually. Met him a couple of times, but it was a a long-distance friendship. But that was really when I knew that I was proud and I had to show my care for a person that was important to me. Sort of like John was talking about, acknowledging your partner, that's always so very important and and liberating because, you know, hey, if the straight world can do it, why can't we? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the way it is. In 1988, this whole AIDS crisis was a real problem for not only the blindness community, but also the, the AIDS service delivery system as well. Yeah. And in 1988, the, the American Foundation for the Blind published a book to try to get the two groups to start talking to each other. Wow. The, the AIDS groups had no idea about what to do about blindness. And, mm-hmm. of course, CMV was one of the late-stage conditions of, of, of having AIDS, and yeah. people would lose sight very rapidly. And by contrast, the blindness system was freaked out by it. And, you know, they were agencies were refusing to reissue canes because someone with HIV had had one, had the same cane, or a talking book machine. And sure, that was done out of ignorance. I had nothing to do with writing that book, but I'm hopeful that it, you know, contributed to at least a start of the conversation so that the two communities that were so foreign to each other previously, you know, the AIDS groups mm-hmm. were used to, you know, younger people, not older blind people. And, the, the, you know, that made it even more difficult. I just wanted to, to add that perspective from uh, those early days. Very powerful. You know, I want to thank you, gentlemen, because I don't speak about my relationship with any. I don't think about it. I speak about my partner openly every day with not a thought, no matter where I am, in stores, in restaurants, to my family that I talk to, to people in the, <laughs> like, on my show, uh, consistently and constantly on my show. And so I owe you guys, and, and, and I always say this, I owe the generations that came before me for the experience that I have had. And I Absolutely. do not forget that ever. So thank you and, and everyone on, on my behalf. Absolutely. Well, that's nice of you both to say. But Scott and I and others of our generation, we certainly have our people to thank and of appreciate course. as well. It, it, and we yeah. all have to pay it forward. Yes, it's absolutely. The it's a torch, absolutely. That, that, and that's, that's the beauty of pride as well, is, is also paying it forward in whatever small, medium large extra large way we want to do it uh you know as long as we pass a little bit forward we're we're building for our next generations 
But Gabriel, isn't that the perfect segue? Because the reason we do this, the reason why our community has these conversations is because there are factions of the law that want us to forget, that want us to not remember how we got here and want us to be ignorant of the things that happened to us generations ago because they want to start doing those things again. And that's why it's so important to have conversations like this. Yep. It's called repression. It's called, you know, when you start blocking access to information and access to history, it's because you're afraid of something. It's because there's too much light because everyone, everything is out, <laughs> you know, again, coming out, everything is so out that um, some people are fearful uh, because it, hinders their their agenda uh that so many people are so out and so knowledgeable and so enlightened yes john our pride is threatening to a lot of people yes it is yes it is and when you have education when you have fearlessness when you have pride in yourself you can't be controlled you can't they you don't let the messages that they put out there dictate your life and so they fear us because if we pass it on, the knowledge I mean, if we pass on the understanding, then they lose control. Yeah. And people, I have to share very quickly. It is amazing. Uh, one of the most famous uh, writers uh, from Honduras, his name uh, was Ramon Amaya Amador. Uh, back in the day, he was, uh, you know, he was... Uh, called a communist it's a, it's impressive that that we are living today in america which is the first nation of the world what i read in his books about what happened in colonial latin america we're talking about the 1600s in latin america which is still uh <laughs> 200 years behind the U.S. in terms of development. So imagine back then <laughs> where people were calling them witchcrafters because these were people who had traveled across the ocean to Europe and have gotten an education and were coming back to colonial Honduras to how to read and write. And that was called witchcraft. They, they said that whoever followed them were going to burn in hell. And we're going to experience punishment because we were not supposed to learn how to read and write. Because, of course, once we read and wrote, we had access to information and we started, again, coming out into the light. And you couldn't be controlled. And you couldn't be controlled. Exactly. It is very clear that uh, we come full circle from the origin of this conversation to where we are right now. And I think it would uh, be an awesome way to close up with everyone's message. Now that we have uh, come to the understanding and conclusion that when we celebrate pride, we celebrate ourselves and we celebrate from within, what message do we want to send to our loved ones and to those around us and to those who we have yet to meet? What is the importance of and the power of the language that we use? And I'm going to start off by saying, and that's going to be my closing, uh, and I'll let it roll around our wonderful uh, participants today, 
the importance of language and and how words matter uh because how many times have we come out and people think they're saying the most uh benevolent thing they have ever said to a loved one and say i love you no matter what how hurtful is that it means even though you're broken i still love you i'm great that's on me i'm beautiful and i'm and I'm so nice that I still like you, even though you're gay. Another important word that we utter is those first words that we say when someone comes out to us. I had a conversation with a group of colleagues, uh, my boss, who I'm also privileged to call my friend. She gave the best answer in the room that day when we were going around saying, what has been your favorite coming out reaction from a friend or family member. And my boss and friend said when she came out to her older cousin, when she said, I'm a lesbian, her older cousin said, okay, so what? Well, one day, hopefully that's the way it will be for everybody who comes out. Yes, yes, John, I I agree. And, and I can't wait. I typically tell people I love when a celebrity comes out, but I hope for the day that it doesn't have to make headlines. Right. Well, I, I couldn't say anything more powerful on language than what you just said, but I will say that I think coming out is always going to be someone's personal choice and their personal journey. It should never, ever be pressed upon someone. No one should ever feel pressured into coming out and no one should ever be outed. Um, and when you come to that, it's the most liberating moment of your life. And then from then on, you truly live as the person you were born to be. And that's how I'll end it. I think that's kind of the thing of, of living, living your life openly and with pride. I think that is helpful to those who have not yet come out when they see other people who have come mm -hmm. out and who are prideful and happy. It, it's encouraging to them because I, I agree with Anthony that we shouldn't pressure anyone, but certainly let's make it easy for them or make it absolutely um, and provide safe spaces like yes. BPI. Absolutely. Yes. Scott, I think being there for people is a very important part of the process uh, the community that we've established here the internet all very empowering when you needed information at one time we didn't have a lot of accessible information about gay issues thankfully one of our members terry gorman produced a lot of gay literature in the 80s on cassette and did a marvelous job at it and freely distributed it, had a cadre of volunteers to produce it. And that was all there was. And before the internet, I used to volunteer for Whitman Walker Clinic here in DC on their gay hotline. And, you know, for two days a week, from seven to 11, uh, two of us would be talking to people on the phone about all of this. And again, it was being able to just touch people in, in the way when they needed it the most. And now we have all these other vehicles in which we can do the very same thing.
I called the hotline. Did you talk to me, Anthony? I can't. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember who I spoke to, but I do remember I was so nervous. And it took oh, yeah. me about 15 minutes to get to the point. But then once we started talking, it was it was like the best conversation ever. Well, thank you. Yeah, it sounds like you spoke with Scott. We got we got <laughs> a lot of training to do it. It was not something that was easily done. Uh, you know, and they put a lot of time and effort into. I don't know what they're doing with that sort of thing today. Whitman Walker now is a multi health, multi faceted health service delivery system, not just dedicated to our community as it was back then. Yeah, that's happened to a lot of our centers. So I think it is safe to say that wherever you are in your journey and whenever you feel comfortable coming out, you should do it on your own time and in your own way. Uh, Look for safe spaces like BPI (laughs) and uh, always be proud of who you are, where you are and who you want to be. Thank you so much, everyone. Happy National Coming Out Day. Thank you. www.bpi.gay for more information. This has been Pride Connection. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Please check us out at blindlgbtpride.org. Another Friday night. Brother spent an hour in the bathroom making himself look pretty for a date at the drive-in, and sisters got her hot rod all fixed up for a night of drag racing. After a hard week working at the plant, Mom just wants to sit down and watch television with Dad. So what does that leave you to do? Say, why not go hang out at the clubhouse? The good folks of Blind LGBT Pride host a Friday night fun chat every week, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Just pick up your phone and join the party line. Uh, that is, log on to Clubhouse, search for House Blind LGBT Pride, and join in for a fun night of good conversation and good company. Don't worry if you're not yet a member. Blind Pride welcomes all those with loving hearts and open minds. So what are you waiting for? Grab your favorite snacks, log on to Clubhouse, and join Blind LGBT Pride's Friday Night Fun Chat. Be there or be square.